So let's get into today's message. And uh, as I said, I'm excited about today's message. I have been feeling this so very strongly over the last few days. I've been really a wreck this whole morning because it's just been hitting me so hard. And, um, and so I would love for you guys to lean into this with everything you've got. I know it's easy to lose focus and we're thinking about what's for lunch and all that stuff, but just give me 30 minutes of your time. Let's lean into this and it might just, might just change your life. And so I'm excited about it. The subject we're going to be talking about today is in many ways the, the focus point, the central point, the core of everything that we are about as God's people. And so maybe if you've been around the church for a while, if this is something you're familiar with, this is probably a topic I'm quite sure you've heard of um, and understand to a certain degree. But I certainly hope there are people who are here and online that haven't heard about this. That would be great news. And, uh, and so today we're going to be talking about the, the topic of the gospel, okay? We're going to be talking about the gospel. Now, again, if you've been around church folk long enough, I'm quite sure you've heard this term before, but I want to dig in in a way today that really opens up our understanding to what this is and how we are to apply it to our lives, because I really do believe this is one of the most, if not the most, life-changing message that we can bring to you guys today. And, uh, and so I want to start off in a really practical, simple way by just really explaining what this word means, and that way we can continue to dig in and wrap our minds around this topic, okay? So um, the gospel, the, the simplest translation that we hear is that the gospel simply means good news, okay? Again, maybe this is something you've heard before, but as you read the term gospel, especially in the New Testament... What you can just initially think of is, is good news. We're talking about good news, but I want to dig in a little bit further because in the, the old language, which was in the Greek, there were two words that are now translated as gospel. And we're going to put these words up on the screen, and I'm going to attempt to pronounce them. But the two words are evangelion and evangelizo. Okay, so in the first century Greek, as this was being written, these would have been the words that these people would have been reading, which is now translated as gospel. Now, um, what's interesting is you may notice that this very closely resembles some other words that we have in our English language. Uh, you've maybe heard of evangelizing or maybe heard of evangelical Christian. So obviously there's a very close resemblance there, which makes sense because that simply means to spread the gospel, Right. Um, somebody who is an evangelist spreads the gospel. So that makes sense. But as you lean in even more, you'll see the root word of these Greek words, which is angel. Okay? So this is a word I'm quite sure you're familiar with. Now, again, the simplest translation of the word angel is messenger. Okay? So as you see angels appear in the Old Testament, the New Testament, they are simply messengers of God. That's who they are. That is their function. And so really when you see the word gospel, the, the true encompassing of this word is to be a messenger of the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's what the gospel is. That's what we are talking about. Now, let me explain this even a little bit more because, again, when this was being written in the first century, there were some things that the writers were probably thinking about as they put these onto the pages. 
And probably the best example that I can give you guys is during wartime, if a, a battle was won, or certainly if the war was won, obviously back in that day, there wasn't a way to get the word out very quick, right? No social media, no newspaper, none of that, right? And so what they would do is they would pay a messenger to take that good news of the victory and to travel all throughout the region, either by way of foot or horseback, to just spread the good news. Hey, we've won, we've got the victory. So that is what Paul here, as we're going to read through, is likely thinking about as he writes the word gospel, that we would be messengers who would take the victory that has been accomplished and spread it all throughout the region and everywhere that we go. Okay. Now that may not mean a lot to you right now because we haven't even gotten into what the gospel is, but we will get there I promise you. So um, you might be asking to yourself, okay, that sounds cool, but why, why do we need to talk about this? Why is this the, the central focus? Why, why is this so important? And I think right out of the gate, um, it, it might be helpful to know that the reason we take this so seriously is, is because, number one, this is something that Jesus talked about, okay? So, so we, we certainly take notice of that. But also, this is something that Jesus tells us to talk about, okay? So Jesus does this, he commands us to do this, and therefore, as his people, we respond, right? So I wanna show you this, Matthew chapter nine, verse 35. We read, Jesus was going through all the cities and all the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Now, that sounds a lot like the wartime messenger, right? Going all through the cities and, and all through the villages, spreading the good news of the kingdom of God. This is something that Jesus partook of in his ministry. But then watch what he says in Mark chapter 16. And this is really his final discussion with his disciples. He's equipping them for what he wants them to focus on as they move forward. And this is what he tells them. He says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I want you to go into all the world and I want you to preach the good news to all creation. Okay, this is what Jesus wants from his people. So Jesus does this, he tells us to do this, and therefore we lean in very, very closely so that we understand this more and more, okay? So what I wanna do is I want to unpack today really what the gospel is so that we rightly understand it. Hey, if this is good news, first off, and if we are to be messengers of it, second off, then why don't we understand what exactly we're talking about, okay? So to do that, we're gonna go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in a minute. And uh, I want you to write that down if you're taking notes or take a, a mental picture of it. 1 Corinthians 15, because in many ways, this is the gospel chapter, all right? This is the Apostle Paul, as I mentioned a second ago. He's writing to the church in Corinth, and, and he's about to lean into the gospel in a very serious way. And so this is something that should perk our ears up so that we understand what we're talking about. Now, I want to say this real quick just to set expectations for you guys. Um, we're going to dig into this in a very detailed and meticulous way. 
okay? I would almost say it's kind of like a formula-driven way that we're going to dig into this. And, um, and so I want to set that expectation because I do want you to, to wrap your minds around this. I want this to be something that intellectually you understand maybe for the first time, but it's also essential, essential that this is something you can wrap your heart around. Okay? And so not only do I want you to, to hear and understand, but I want you to feel the things that we're about to talk about today. Okay, And so with that in mind, before we go any further, why don't we just pray that indeed that would happen, that God would open our hearts, that he would allow us to, to feel in a way that might impact and change like never before. So if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And I want you to pray for your own personal opening up and, and that God would soften your heart to receive it. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful once again to be in your presence and to have already experienced you in, in such a, a real and, and beautiful way. And right now, I pray that you would open up every single heart and mind, my, mine included, to receive what you have for us today and, and, and that each one of us would get what we need from this in, in such a way that is so clear and so precise and, and drives us to response and action. I don't care whether they're here in, 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 in the physical realm or if they're watching online. I just pray that you would move and speak in such a powerful, beautiful way. We love you so much. We, we worship you. We, we bring you glory every chance that we get. And I pray that your will would be done today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. So let's jump right in. 1 Corinthians, again, chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. Paul says this. Now, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you. So let me stop right there because you're understanding already why this is called the gospel chapter. Because right out of the gate, Paul is saying, hey, pay attention. We're about to get into the gospel. Okay? So let's continue on. I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Okay, now we're going to stop right there. Paul has not delivered the gospel to us quite yet, but he has done something very interesting because he's taken this time to almost create an outline for us of what the gospel means and how it can be applied to our lives. Okay, it's very cool what he's done here. And so let me walk you through what I mean. There are three elements here that he's bringing to light that we need to make sure we understand around the gospel. And the first thing that you see is that the gospel is something that we receive. Okay, he says, this is something that you have received, which is simply to mean that it's something that we learn. Okay, the, the gospel is something that we learn and understand. In other words, it's not something that we're, we're inherently aware of. Okay, it's not like we are born with the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us and we go throughout the rest of our lives glorying in that. That's just not how it works. It's something we have to learn. It's something that we have to understand. Watch what Paul says in a different letter. This is Romans chapter 10. He says, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? Okay, so he says, yeah, anyone that calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. But how are they going to know to do that if they don't hear about it, if they don't learn about it? And so the gospel is something that we receive. Now, there are two important implications here that we need to understand. 
And the first one is, is a personal implication, meaning, okay, I need to understand the gospel. This is something that I need to learn. It's something that I need to give myself to so that the rest of it can take care of itself, okay? So, so make sure that personal application is there. But then the other implication is for everybody else around us. Not, not everybody around you is inherently aware of the gospel, and you might be the person that needs to bring it to them so that they can then receive it. Okay, so this, this is important. There's work to be done. We have to be intentional about this in order to get the good news out to the people. Okay, so it's something that we receive. Second thing we see is it's something that we are saved by. It's something that we are saved by. So get this, the gospel is necessary for salvation. We, we cannot be led to faith and repentance without the gospel. It is necessary. That's how important this is. Let's go back to, to the book of Romans, this time in chapter 1. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's the power of God for salvation. That's what is needed. It's, it's necessary. Now, that's, that's a big deal right? I mean, that's huge news. If we are saved by this, then we certainly need to lean into this, right? And all of a sudden, we start to understand why Jesus was so serious about this and why Paul is so serious about this in his writings. This is something that we are saved by, okay? But the third element I think is really cool, probably something that we don't often think about and need to be reminded of. But Paul here says that the gospel is something that we are to stand in, it's something that we are to, to stand in. And what he's talking about is, is this is the firm foundation for our lives. This is where we must plant our feet and be secure in knowing that he's going to take care of it. He's not going to change his mind, that we are secure in him, okay? This is how important this is. By the way, this is interesting, but the gospel is the very reason why we can proclaim the promises of God on our life. So, so if you've ever proclaimed that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's because of the gospel. If you've ever said to yourself, God will never leave me, he'll, he'll never forsake me, that's because of the gospel. It's something that we stand in. Now, it's pretty cool because a few weeks ago, we, we had a message on the armor of God, what that looks like and, and what that means. And it's very interesting how Paul talks about this as it relates to the gospel. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, he says, Stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from what? The gospel of peace. This is something that we are to stand firm in and know that God is going to carry us. Okay? Now, that is the outline that Paul's kind of starting out with so that we understand how important this is and, and really how it relates to us. But the reason I love this so much and, and the reason I'm taking time to break it down this way is because that means that the gospel is relevant and significant to every single one of us regardless of where we're at in our journeys. It's relevant, it's significant, I don't care where you're at in your journey. Maybe the gospel is something you have, have never received before. You've never heard this before. Well, it's certainly relevant to you. Maybe it's something you've received, but honestly, you've, you've never really believed it. You've never given your life to it and been saved by it. Well, this is relevant for you. But even if you've received it and been saved by it, maybe you're not standing in it. 
Maybe you're stumbling along and you can't seem to find your footing. I would encourage you, stand in the gospel every chance you get. This is relevant for you, I promise you. I promise you. Maybe, you know, as soon as I threw this title up, you thought, oh my God, I've heard this a million times. This is, I mean, we're just recycling the same stuff over and over again, Dustin. What are we doing? And I'm telling you, you're wrong. This is something you need to be reminded of. By the way, Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth, which means these are people that are already well aware of the gospel. And he's desperately saying, come back to it. Bring yourself back to it. Remind yourself of what this is to you. We must meditate on it. We must give glory to God every chance we get for it. The gospel is relevant for you, okay? This is something we need to lean into very desperately. Now, one question, one question is left to answer, which is, what is the gospel? (laughs) What are we talking about? What is the good news? And so we're going to go ahead and continue on into verse uh, verses 3 and 4 here. We're going to pick up right where we left off. And now this is going to go by real quick. I mean, it's going to go by real quick, but I promise we'll break it down and we'll get into the details as we move forward. He starts verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, here he goes, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Boom, gone. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Now, again, we're going to dig in, so hold on for just a second. But I love, I love that Paul here says, listen, this is of first importance. Listen, this is central. This is the focus. I don't care what your ministry is. I don't care who you are. Focus on the gospel. He keeps bringing them back to how important this is. But you'll notice there are four elements here that he brings to light in terms of the gospel. Okay, four things that he happens to to rattle off here. And so those are Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the 12. Okay, four elements he's bringing to light. Now, it's very interesting how he outlines this because follow me for a second. Two of these are what we would call the facts of the gospel. Two of them are are the facts. The other two are what we would call confirmation of the gospel. Okay, So follow along with me. I promise you'll understand this. Did you catch that two of these had a particular trend about them that are very important? And that is he follows two of them by saying, according to the scriptures. Now what Paul is saying here is that these two things are the fulfillment of of the scriptures. These are the two things that have completed the work of God. They are the facts of the gospel. But watch how this works. Okay, the first fact of the gospel, he says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. But how would that be verified? Like how would how would we know that he actually died? Well, because he was buried. You you bury a dead body. And if it's not dead, it's going to be dead soon enough if you bury it, right? And so what Paul is saying here is, listen, Christ's death on the cross is is paramount to the gospel, but through his burial, we can be confident that this gospel is truth, okay? Now, likewise, we follow that up. The second truth is that Jesus was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Again, how would that possibly be verified? Well, if he made himself known to Peter and then to the twelve. Right. In fact, the very next verse, verse 5, he goes on to say he makes himself known to more than 500 
of his followers, okay? So again, what, what good does news of the resurrection bring if there's no firsthand witnesses? I saw him, I, I touched him, he's alive, I know it. I can proclaim the victory of what has been accomplished, okay? So, so Paul here says, these are the facts of the gospel. This is how we can confirm the gospel. Very interesting, very logical way that Paul is bringing this to light. But now I wanna dig into these two facts, because this is really where the life change occurs. This is really what we need to dig into and wrap our hearts around, okay? And so let's take some time to do that. So let's go back to verse three. And he says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Here's the first fact, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, okay? Now, again, for folks who have been around church for a while, you've heard this a million times. But, I, you know, sometimes I, I think to myself, why, why did Christ die? Maybe somebody's asked you that before. Like, why did that even have to happen? I know that you worship it, and I know that you glory in it, and I know all that. But why did that have to happen? And Paul very clearly says why. He says, he died for our sins. This is why he did what he did, okay? Now, he brings some clarity into the picture in Romans chapter 6 because he makes a very simple statement. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. So where there is sin, there must be death, all right? And we see that very clearly throughout the Old Testament, right? We see all of these animal sacrifices on the altar on behalf of the people's sin. Where there is sin, there must be death. This is why Jesus died for our sins. And so catch this. Maybe you've never thought about this before, and, and as unfortunate as it is, the gospel has to start with the fact that we are sinners, that we have messed this thing up, that we have fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. This is where you must start with the gospel. Now, so often, this is the part of the gospel that we tease out that we, we like to avoid because it's, it's great to, to worship the love and grace of Christ. It's something totally different to then have to acknowledge and confess your sins, right? To have to admit that the very reason he died on the cross is because of your wrongdoing. That's, that's something completely different. I don't like to think about that. I don't like to, to dwell on that, but that's a fact of the gospel. So understand something very clearly. The gospel is not the gospel without acknowledgement and confession of sins, the gospel is not the gospel without a people confessing their wrongdoing and trusting in Christ that he took care of it. This is essential. We've messed up. We have fallen short. And I have to believe every one of us knows that. I have to believe every one of us has, has felt that. But, but then the good news comes along. Because as much as you have messed up, as many mistakes as, as you have made, as stubborn as you are, as guilty as you are before God, Jesus Christ took your sin. He took your shame. He carried it on the cross once for all, paid that price for you so that you could be forgiven. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. He has taken your sin. He has taken your shame and it's done. He's paid for it. And I think it's important to call out that he was well aware of the wreckage that would ensue. He was well aware of what he was going to have to do. He was well aware of, of all of your junk and all of your mistakes. Well aware. And he gladly took the punishment 
He gladly took God's wrath on your behalf. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it, but he took it for you. Watch what it says in Romans 5, 8. Man, this is, this is unbelievable. He says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, in our sin, in our shame, Christ paid the price. Sounds like good news to me. Sounds like good news that I don't have to carry my mess anymore. That, that I don't have to worry about my mistakes anymore. I know I've messed up. I, I know I've fallen short, but, but Jesus has paid the price and I can be forgiven. This is the first fact of the gospel. We must meditate on it, must give ourselves to it and give him all the glory for it. But there's one more aspect of the gospel that we also have to pay attention to. Because Paul doesn't just talk about Jesus' death on the cross and then, and then call it a day, right? He, he's very intentional. He's very serious about bringing another fact to light. Let's go to, back to verse 4. He says that Jesus was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. In other words, he didn't just die, but he was raised to life. Now let's talk about this for a second. Because I believe this is the aspect of the gospel that, that in many ways we are missing out on in our culture today. I, I think that, that our churches are really open to confession of sin and forgiveness and have forgotten about the fact that Jesus was raised from the grave and came back to life. And you might be saying to yourself, what does that matter? I'm about to tell you why it matters, okay? So let's start with, with what it means for us today. In real time, what does this mean for my life right now? Let, let's talk about that first and then we'll move on from there. Jesus's resurrection is what signified his power and his freedom to his people. Power and freedom. Now think about it. If, if Jesus would have died on the cross and they would have placed him in the tomb and that was the end of the story, Thank you, Jesus, for doing what you did, but it feels like something's missing, right? Thank you, thank you so much for taking that for me, but it's like, it's not, it's not the ending that I was thinking it would be. And in fact, it's interesting because in real time, in the lives of the disciples, this is exactly what was happening. This is exactly what was going on. If you go back and watch what was happening between Jesus's death and his resurrection, we see a very interesting scene, even from his closest of followers. Now listen, if Jesus' death was the totality of the gospel, then surely his closest followers, his disciples, as soon as he died on the cross, would be dancing in the streets and, and celebrating the, pi the price that was paid, and they would be spreading the gospel of what he's accomplished, right? That's certainly what we would see, and, and yet that's not at all what is accounted in, in history. In fact, they weren't dancing in the streets. They were in their homes with the doors locked, scared for their lives. They're thinking to themselves, man, if this is what they're willing to do to Jesus, I'm in trouble. Scared for their lives. And all we have to wait is three days to see a complete change in the lives of the disciples. A complete 180 in the lives of the disciples. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection. Listen to this. 
the, the, the same men who before the resurrection were in their homes and, and embarrassed and, and scared are the same men after the resurrection that went everywhere in the region, spreading the gospel, enduring persecution and pain, putting their lives on the line. They didn't care. We're getting the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. The same men who before the resurrection are locked in their homes, thought they were gonna be killed, catch this, are the same men after the resurrection who put their lives on the line and were killed gladly for the very same cause. You talk about a change, a complete 180 in the lives of the disciples. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I saw him with my eyes. I felt him with my hands. He is alive. Now listen to me. This applies to you. This applies to our culture. Because I feel like this is something that we're missing so desperately. Yes, we feel like we've been forgiven and, and that's great, but we have no freedom. We have, we have no power. We have no authority. And if, listen, if that is what's going on in your life, like if you feel that way, Man, I'm so thankful for what Jesus did. I, I believe I've been forgiven, but honestly, like day to day, man, I'm weak. I don't feel like I can do anything. I don't feel like I'm uh, you know, authoritative over anything. I would urge you to go back to the tomb. I would urge you to go back to the victory. I would urge you to go back to the resurrection because that's where freedom and authority and power is seen. We have to go back to the resurrection. But as cool as that is, and, and as awesome as that is for our lives today in real time, that's not even the real good news of what the resurrection signifies. Because yes, that's great. I get to live the life now in power and in freedom. But the good news is what you can look forward to in the future. Because the ultimate significance and the ultimate hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that one day, just like him, we will not just be left dead in a grave with our sins forgiven, but we will be raised to life and spend eternity in his presence. We will get to spend eternity in the presence of our creator. This is the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the way, this is why the Bible talks about God's people being a people of joy, a people of optimism, a people of hope. Because guess what? I've got my eyes on something else that you can't see. I've got my eyes. It doesn't matter what happens to me today. I've got my eyes on something greater. I smile through the pain. I glory in the persecution. Because what is to come doesn't compare with what I'm de dealing with today. I'm the type of person where if I'm having a bad week, I said this past week was, was one of those and, and I'm in the grind. I can't seem to get my head out of it. So often I get to look forward to, to something that kind of lifts me up. You know, Friday night I'm going to get to hang out and you know, Saturday I get to do this and, and all of a sudden it lifts my perspective. It lifts my joy. As Christians, we get the ultimate version of that. <laughs> like, hey, listen, give me whatever you got because there's a day coming where I'm going to live eternity with Jesus. Does that sound like good news? Does that sound like good news to anybody watching online? That sounds like good news to me. So listen, write this down if you have to. Record this if you have to. Through the death and resurrection 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sins can be forgiven. Our relationship can be restored back to the Father and we get to spend eternity with him. Let me say it again. Because of the death on the cross and the resurrection from the tomb, our sins can be forgiven if we confess and trust. Our relationship can be restored if we freely submit to him. And we get to spend eternity with our creator. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news that we are to receive, that we are saved by, and that we are to stand firm in. And by the way, that we are to be messengers of. You remember what I said at the beginning? Is that starting to click now? We are to be messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done for his people. Do not take it lightly. Do not take it lightly. Be serious about it. Stand with me. As I said from the beginning, this is something that's been, man, just so heavy on me the last few days. Um, it's one of those, those thoughts and subjects that, that I didn't really have to work that hard for. It's just like God just, just, just poured it out upon me, and, and I hope that he's poured it out upon you the same way. But I think I would be remiss if we didn't end this message and this service in a particular way. And so let me just first off say, if, if you are one of the people who has received the gospel, has been saved by the gospel, and you're trying to stand in the gospel, man, I hope that today has served to, to lift you up. I hope today has served to, to bring you back to the throne of grace. I hope today has served to just give you the joy and the encouragement that you need. But I wanna talk to the people that fall outside of that category. I want to talk to the people that don't feel like you've received the gospel before. You don't, you don't feel like you've been saved by the gospel. The Apostle Paul is relentless in his writings on this subject. I mean, we read through 1 Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians. I mean, it's, it's everywhere in his writings. So serious about it. But in Romans chapter 10, he does an interesting thing. Because he stops talking about the facts and he starts he starts getting into the response. He starts getting into what it would mean if we would truly give ourselves to this. And I want you to lean in with everything you've got. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse nine. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're saved by this. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. If you are a person that has not received this, has not been saved by this, all you have to do is confess. I've messed up. I'm guilty. I've fallen short, but I trust in your work on the cross. I trust that you paid the price. I trust that it's sufficient for me. And then all you have to do is believe in your heart. Give your life to him. 
become yours completely. Let me give you a picture of what this looks like. If, if I had Jesus standing right next to me and he was telling me of the good news of what he's done and I'm holding this sin, I'm grasping it and I don't want to let it go. When the gospel is, is received, this is the response. I'm taking my sin I'm laying it down and I'm turning with everything that I've got to him. That's the response of the gospel. All of the junk I've been holding on to, and I don't believe that it's been paid for. I'm done with it. And I give my life to you. So right now I want every head bowed, even if you're at home, every eye closed. that you can. I can say a million 